Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Deer Out Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Fred. And we're a quarter of the way there. A quarter of the way to 100. Yeah. Yeah, but we're not stopping at 100. Aren't we? No. Oh, I thought we agreed we were going to set ourselves on fire live on. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, uh, not. Okay. Nope. Okay, I've got to rearrange some things. Thinking the bank size is 100. Yeah, I've kind of been spending <laughs> everything I own and selling all my <laughs> selling all my assets thinking that I had 75 weeks left. But okay, that's cool. No, no, we're carrying on. I'll shuffle some things around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty cool though, hey? 25? Mm. Yeah, 25 is quite a lot. Yeah, so we've done something special for 25. We thought we'd have an episode just like every other one. Yeah. Yeah. More of the same. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly a winning formula. Yes. Well, we made it this far, but I don't know if that says anything about the formula rather than our... <laughs> <laughs> our persistence. Our persistence, yeah, exactly. Although, speaking of winning formulas, you have some patrons to thank. Yes, we have added quite a few patrons. Um, so, let me go through the list. So, Ariel Ayana, Mike Janssen. Mike Janssen was a patron, but he increased his bid. It's actually Mike Janssen. Mike Jansen. Yeah, he told okay. us on Discord it's a hard J. Oh, that's right. Probably because I called him Jansen. Yeah. In South Africa, you'd be Jansen. I yes. think that's the thing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, so he's now on uh, Discord. Then Bill Simone, Joe Reese, who we know from Facebook. Oh, uh, yes. He was one of the first guys who contacted us and we set up an online game. I yes. think he was our first online game we played. Yes, him and Pear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's on Discord now as well. Uh, Claudio Cavalsanti. Cavalcanti, I'm not sure. Points for effort, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Alex Arnon and Tim Park. Awesome. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and I think what's been so cool about that is that we've seen the Discord grow, which has been really cool. There's been a lot of conversation and stuff happening there. Yes. A lot of interesting discussions, so that's been really, really cool. Yeah, Yeah, it's been nice to see that. Yeah, the more people we get, the more kind of active it gets. So it's quite lively these days, which I like. Yeah. Tell me something, though. Are you excited for your mystery, 18xx? Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I so don't I, know what it is. I told Fred I've got a I've got a new 18xx to play, but I haven't told him what it is. What it is. Yeah. I've just told him we've discussed it on the podcast before, mm. which we have. But I don't always remember all the numbers, so. No, but you would remember the setting or the theme or, yes. or the whatever. Yeah. So. Or what's different about it. Yeah. 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 But I told him it's not 1862. Uh, that's the 18 Africa one. No, 1862 is the new GMT Oh, right, one. of course. And yeah. I also asked, I also guessed 18 Africa and you said, no, it's no. not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. no, 62 is the one you've got on its way. Yeah, so it's actually supposed to land in America today at its like forwarding post. Okay. Yeah, we have that terrible, like we've got the worst postal service ever. Yeah. So everything gets... Every like Kickstarter gets sent to basically a mail forwarding courier service yes. that then sends it on to us with like proper tracking and yeah. anti postal service. And they're theft. reliable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Your package will just kind of never arrive. Yeah. <laughs> if you just <laughs> if send you it by postal, normal post. Yeah. 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 The joys, eh? Yeah. But um, we did have an interesting discussion on the Discord, and I see JC was commenting on well as well in terms of priority. Yes, we were talking about the different ways of doing priority deal. Yeah, and we were sort of talking about Lola and if it's like sort of outdated or archaic or if it's worth all games just kind of coming up with something new. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people spoke out in defense of Lola, a left of last action, the standard sort of 1830 style. Yeah. Um, and I can definitely agree with what they were saying. A lot of what was said about it was that it's a lot more predictable. Yeah, so the main thing that was said that I agree with is 
with Lola, it's usually safe to invest your left and mm. that stays predictable, which is nice. And that's a very good point, I think. Like you do know that you can kind of control whether you'll act before the person on your left. You might not be able to control whether you're first, but you can. And it's a little bit easier to control. Yeah. You know, mm. more so than passing or most cash or things like that. They do give you some measure of control. Mm. That is something that you have to manage constantly and something yeah. that someone could easily sort of do better than you on and then like you suddenly have staring down a company getting dumped on you and things like that mm. so it makes everything feel a little bit more unsafe and a little bit more unpredictable yes yeah. whereas yeah so i think what i was saying was that um lola feels defensively very good in right. the sense that you can play very defensively yeah and the other rules allow for more aggressive play yeah so what i found with lola was that if i wanted to sort of dump a company on someone it's hard for me to like set that up mm. if they are playing defensively in a lola situation i can't really orchestrate that mm. if however there was something else like first to pass or most cash there's things i could do as a sort of an aggressive maneuver to set that up. Mm, yeah. And I think that is kind of the main difference. Yeah. Where yeah. Lola allows for defensive play, whereas the other rules, I think, allow for more aggressive plays. Right. That was just yeah. my sort of perception of it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but JC also raised a good point about things like most money or first to pass. Eventually, someone will have the most money and they're likely to always then have the most money at the end of the stock round. So they're likely to always be first in subsequent stock rounds. Yeah, I think especially he was highlighting how, especially in late game where someone gets a, a big lead, yes. they can sort of just hang on to that lead and it doesn't become very interesting. Yeah. So if you hit yeah. certificate limits, it's easier for you to pass first. Right, yeah. Which is a fair point, I think. Yeah, yeah. and the same with cash, point. right? If you are doing much better, you can leverage that into always mm. having the most cash and yeah yeah just hanging on to priority and that does become less interesting yes yeah chasey had a lot to say to us actually um he had he had he was criticizing your strategic mind fred <laughs> no i'm only kidding but he said that yeah for you were talking about how you don't really like floating other people's companies yes or helping them to float at least yeah 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 you, you raised some good points there uh, basically saying that it's not always bad because you're putting them on the line for buying a train or maybe they're not ready to float yet and now you're forcing them to float so now they have to you know be in a situation that they didn't want to be in but i think so the situation i was talking about specifically last time was um where the players have enough money to float and they're going to anyway it was specifically the very very first stock round just after the private auction um, where everyone had enough money to float except me so i didn't want anyone else to to help anyone else float there but i think i mean it's it's definitely not a case of you should never help someone else float there are situations where you do want them to help them float yeah i mean i think what he says is that it's a, a gift of non-zero value right which is yeah. fair enough it yeah. is you are essentially helping someone yeah. and i think that's where your hard line sort of came in like wow would i want to yeah. do something that helps someone 60 percent helps me 40 percent yeah essentially and i think jc was just trying to highlight the cases where yeah, there may be reasons that you want to that yes, damage yeah. them a little bit or potentially help you a little bit more than that yeah. or shift the scale a little bit more. Yeah, and favor. and we we have had a game where we helped Simon float a company. I don't know if you remember. Mm. But uh, me had part quite high and didn't want to float because the next train was the last of its size. And then you and I forced him to float so that he would buy the the last of the right. whatever trains yes. and then we would have access to the better trains so we have done that 
That is true. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and that was one of the cases where it made sense to do so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I always get a little bit nervous when someone helps float my company. Oh, yes. Because, you know, they're always looking to get out of it, right? It's, yeah. it's never a permanent thing, especially early on. Yeah. If they're going to they're gonna sell those shares and then devalue your shares. And, yeah. yeah. So it's always kind of this thing of like, mm. and I think especially in something like a, a full cap 1830 or something, I want to be selling my own shares, you know, especially once I've sort of emptied that company out. And if they fill the market with shares, it sort of prevents me. So I'm stuck selling down to maybe only like four shares or something, which can actually mm. be quite annoying. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. it's harder than to float your next company. Yeah. So it can it can get in your way in that sense that they can sort of get out having made a little bit of money off you and but also hindering you mm. in doing what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes early on I'm like, mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> it <laughs> I don't is worrying. feel about this. Yeah. 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 Anything else on that? No, I don't think so. I think it was just it was interesting because it oh um Oh, I feel like Pear said something interesting about. Oh, yeah. So Pear, we were we were talking about this priority thing originally in the Discord channel, mm. and he was saying that a, a couple of groups there either play with Lola or the like pass order. Oh, they change priority. The they just sort of change it around. I was like, oh, in the same game. Well, yeah, not in the same play, but for the same. Right. They'll be like, which rule do you want to play with? And just kind of use them interchangeably. Yes. So they might play 1830 with like a pass order rule. Which is very interesting. Yeah. Oh, it made me shudder, man. I was just like, no, 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 no. I have this thing about like house, house rules yeah. or like changing stuff. It just makes me nervous. Like, but, but remember how we were saying like, if you just focus on like a full cap game, then you understand full cap well. You're right. I, I think it's the same kind of thing in their case because they know whichever 18xx they're playing all the time. They know that 18xx well. So by changing just the priority deal, they get to see the effect that that has on the game. Yeah, and I guess maybe they've played it a lot and so they have more of an understanding of it or the yeah. impact of it. Yeah, I think you did say they played that game a lot. You know? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> for me, it just makes me nervous whenever yeah. people talk about changing rules. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know about this. Yeah yeah so should we chat about the mails we've got a few mails i've got one other thing i wanted to talk about Ooh, briefly okay. so we also spoke about our 18xx last time and i was yes, saying yeah. oh, maybe we could help with hosting and stuff a couple of people actually uh, jc was one of them someone in discord as well i think it was pear in discord told me how to get in touch with uh jim davis is the guy's name who hosts it uh, so i emailed him and he was actually quite friendly and quick to reply um but basically it is closed source so source code is not available it's just like a hobby project of his um he does have a paypal though where people can contribute and i wasn't aware of this but with paypal you can actually do a monthly contribution like you can oh, say that's cool yeah you can say i want to give one dollar every month to you know this paypal account or whatever so i'm actually doing that on rr18x now i'm doing a monthly okay. payment to hopefully help with hosting and stuff so yeah so that is an option it's a good idea i should do that as well then yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think we're using it a lot, so it's worth it, yeah. Yeah, and I think especially if it can help upgrade the service or whatever, because I think uh, it seems that there's um, concerns, I guess, around capacity. Mm, yeah. Some people are a bit nervous about giving the login details out and all of that, and yeah. we've noticed that at certain times of the day it gets really slow and yeah. overloaded and stuff like that. So, yeah. And I think with the hobby growing, yes, and that being kind of the only game in town when it comes to an online thing that manages everything for mm. you, yeah it's sort of <laughs> the only one that exists at the moment so yeah. i could see it getting yeah. more demand yes yeah yeah no that's mm -hmm. awesome i must do that as well and i think we'd certainly encourage everyone who 
uses it to consider it as well. So yes, yeah, yeah, because definitely get value out of it. So yeah, yeah, he, he definitely doesn't, you know, kind of ask for it or or insist on it or anything. But yeah, I think it's nice. That is cool. Yeah, yeah. he does have a hosting bill. I think he said he uses Amazon Web Services, so okay. that's a monthly bill. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder how much traffic he gets, or how much. Yeah, how prohibitive the costs are with stuff like that. Yes, it would be interesting to see how. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully, if we get enough rally behind that enough, you can upgrade it a bit or allow for more people to come in or. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. All righty. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail with you all day. Okay. Oh, we got an email from David. Dave Arlington, who we chatted about, he sent us a really nice email yes. a week or two ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you saw this, eh? But Dave has very kindly offered to send us a copy of 18 AL. Yes, he's chatted to me on Slack. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he mentioned there that he'd message you. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really, really cool of him. We really, really appreciate that. So I told him I'll send him the address of our US-based <laughs> mail forwarding service. Oh, I already sent him one. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, did you get, did you use um, Rudy's one? Yes. Oh, cool, okay. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I think it'd be quite cool to play it and give it a try because it's one of those ones that I think is quite accessible. Mm. It's quite easy for people to print if they want to dabble in the whole print and play thing. Yes. It's quite beginner friendly. So I think especially for the listeners of this podcast, I think it'd be pretty cool to be able to talk about it and give our yeah. thoughts on it as well, especially as kind of a beginner game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially if people just want to dabble. Yes. Yeah. So I'm quite excited to try that actually. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. And any game we can comfortably play on a weeknight, I'm on board as yes. well. Yes. <laughs> And I was right. AL stands for Alabama. Oh, yes, you were. You were, yeah. Yeah. Uh, GA was Georgia. Not the predecessor to GB. No, uh, and not Great America, which <laughs> apparently I said. <laughs> he said. He said, Dave said, my friend and I had a good laugh <laughs> hating Great America. <laughs> Hardly these days. <laughs> Isn't Dave? Mm. After what's happening here, we will gladly, we'll gladly trade governments with you, my friend. <laughs> yeah so thanks very much dev it's very cool of yeah you. that's very kind of you Thank yeah you. and we really look forward to trying it mm. yeah we got an email from brian who says howdy i like a man who says howdy yeah he also told me that ga is georgia okay. and al is indeed alabama okay so uh, brian is living in poland these days but he's actually american yeah also wow. one of the michigan guys there seems to be a lot of michigan folk into 18xx yes. or at least we've come in contact with a few yeah. my sample size of four dictates that <laughs> there's a lot of them yeah so he says that he really enjoyed hearing our continued observations of 1830 and trust me we still feel like absolute amateurs mm. of that game Yo, Joe especially is wiping the floor with us. Yeah. I think he got a kick out of it. I think that's why he joined our Patreon. So Maybe. Come into the <laughs> Discord. And, him. Yeah. Come into the Discord and gloat. Just we do should. a victory lap around the Discord channel. He's going to cancel at the end of this month. <laughs> we should have a new Patreon tier where we call you the best. Yeah. <laughs> player on the <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like greatest of all time, uh, Steve127. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. Give me ideas. Yeah. <laughs> um so he said chris one thing you mentioned in your online play was that you didn't want to buy two two trains so he's talking about the game um against dads on a map right so i was talking about how i was sort of waiting for them to buy the two trains and it sort of suited me fine to not buy them okay. essentially like i didn't want to buy through them into the three trains um so he said that he, in his opinion it's always worth it 
to buy into the threes just to sell your privates. Mm. Um, so you shouldn't bother waiting. And also it's, there's an advantage to being the one who pushes those trains. Mm. But he says, yeah, um, the benefit of cash influx a player receives can be somewhat mitigated by the fact they receive it later than others. So often this element of timing is an important tool for navigating the brutal asymmetry of 1830. So I, I think what he's saying is that if I'm the one who buys into the three trains and I can sell out my companies, then it's worth it to sort of get ahead of okay. everyone else quickly. Which I kind of agree with. Um, yeah, it's it's very interesting because I went back and thought about it and I was trying to remember the game state at that time. Mm-hmm. Because I did think about it, but I can't remember. I have a feeling that I didn't have great private companies. Like I didn't have high value private companies to sell. Didn't you say that you wouldn't be able to run the routes with them? I wouldn't be able to use the two trains. Yeah, I didn't have great routes for them because I'd taken a pathway that wasn't like the early. So New York, New Haven has sort of two pathways. The one Mm. where you can get a lot of early value with two trains and things like that, you can just run a bunch of routes and one, which is more of a long game one, which I've read is better mm. if you don't have high value privates to sell. So I wasn't going the strategy of buy a bunch of two trains, run them as qu- quickly and as much as I can and sell in my privates and then dump that company and float the next one. I was kind mm. of playing a longer, slower game. All right. So at the time I felt like it kind of suited me because I was looking at those two trains and I sort of felt like I'd almost be giving everyone else a little bit more of an advantage. Mm. because I didn't have high value privates to sell and I couldn't use the two trains effectively. Okay. I guess the question though becomes based on the board state of how few companies floated in the first OR and how things looked, Mm. it might've been better for me to take the short game kind of approach, not short game, but the the, the quick approach because even without having high value private, it might've put me ahead of people who were, had sort of James kind of overspent on the Pennsylvania Railroad. Um, Sanchez wasn't able to float anything. Mm. So, yeah. But I kind of felt like oftentimes I find these 18xx games sort of like you'll be in the situation where one person is getting the most advantage out of things going slowly. Mm. And I felt like that was me in this case where I was kind of happy because I was just moving my stock price up and they weren't getting enough money to mm. float their companies effectively. Mm. So I kind of felt like, eh. That suits yeah. me to go slowly. Yeah. Whether or not that's correct, I'm not sure. Yeah. Because I, I hear what Brian's saying in the sense that being the one who dictates the pace, and I've heard JC say that before as well, like if you push the trains very aggressively and fast, you can sort of outpace everyone else and mm. put them in a pressured position. Yeah, because it also, with the, the train price going up, a company that floats a little bit later might only be able to buy one train instead of two different ones so often in the early game two two trains is fine you i mean it's it's not worth that much less than say a three and a two or something so just the but having only one train is is much worse because you can often hit a like high value city twice if you have two trains which is worth quite a lot i think so yeah so maybe by pushing the trains as well you make it so that the newly floated companies can only afford one train where maybe previously they would have been able to afford two trains yeah it's never clear cut it is tricky it Mm. was tricky it's what i kind of felt at the time but Mm. i could be wrong and i do like the idea of putting pressure on other people yeah because you could argue that if they weren't floating their companies and they were kind of stagnating me pushing the trains aggressively would have put them in a very difficult position as well yeah because now 
yeah, now the trains are more expensive. Now they mm-hmm. don't have cash and I'm burning through into high tiers and all of that. So yeah. sort of accelerating the game and leaving them behind. So mm. I could certainly see the argument for that. Yeah. yeah. Be an interesting board state to actually go back to mm. and sort of be able to discuss and look at and say, okay. I think you can do that with R18X actually. I think I haven't tried it, but I think you can clone a game and then you can actually go back in your clone version of it and oh, is kind it, of eh? try different scenarios and things. Okay. But, yeah, it'd be um, interesting to have a look at. Uh, yeah, I think I saw a menu option like that, but I haven't tried it, so I might be completely wrong there. Yeah, because like I've commented, that game has been pretty weird. It hasn't mm. followed the general yeah. <laughs> flow, so yeah, yeah, it's been quite interesting. But you and I are currently ahead. That's mm. all that matters. Yeah, I don't know. Well, last I checked, we I'm were, not very happy we were with my position with. now because <laughs> uh, James is forcing Eerie to float. Uh, so Erie will buy a train which will rust my trains. Uh, so yeah, I'm not not very happy with that. I was actually hoping Erie wouldn't float for a while. Okay. <laughs> Damn you, James. Yeah. <laughs> They're colluding, I tell you. <laughs> um, and then I also got an email from Chris from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, he's been following y'all. I love it. He's so Texas, Chris. <laughs> Since the beginning. And he says, please keep up the good work. He's also one of our new Patreons, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, cool. So thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, so he said, I can relate very well to how 18xx inspires an interest in trains. He said he's always had an interest in trains growing up, but it wasn't until he started playing 18xx games and working in Japan with their awesome rail system that the interest started re- renewing. Okay. Yeah. So he started dipping his toes into model trains. Oh, has he? And we all know that's the real slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I've I've been to hobby expos and I've had a look at the model train stuff and it's amazing what they do now. Oh really? So you've got full blown apps on your phone and you can like change the intersection on your railway track from your phone and make the trains go and stop and everything. Oh, it's completely wow. controlled by your phone now. It's amazing. And um, I've also heard of people like using 3D printers to print parts for their like carriages and stuff and or wheelbases and things. So you can yeah. Like combine three D printing it as well with it as well now, which is quite interesting. I'd just love to see my wife's face if she came home and I'd set up like model trains. <laughs> like you need a dedicated room for it. Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just clear out the spare room and be like, sorry, this is my yeah. this is my train room. <laughs> choo choo. Yeah. Um he also said I think eighteen six games can be tell very interesting stories, even more so than some highly thematic board games. Those seem to be sort of prepackaged stories, while 18xx you can build and adapt your own. Mm. Which I totally agree with. I find myself defending the theme of 18xx all the time. Yeah. Because I know we've said this so many times before that it's sort of people treat it as sort of like dry and themeless and boring. Yeah. But that hasn't been my experience at all. No. Like there's so much like banter and laughter. No, we've about. had great stories from. Yeah, exactly. Because it's it's hilarious. You like running companies and failing at running companies yeah. and taking over other people's companies. So there's so much. Yeah. There's so much theme in that that's actually really fun. Yeah. I think some people confuse like theme with artwork. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You don't necessarily need like great visuals or giant plastic figures or whatever mm, to yeah. have sort of a thematic experience yes yeah. 
But I feel like we've always done a good job of kind of having fun with our board games. Like we always sort of like get into the theme, even when it's like this dry Euro. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not like role playing or anything over the top, but we just like make a lot of jokes and and laugh about it and whatever. And we just kind of have fun with it, even if it's just the whole trading in the Mediterranean trope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but I found 18xx creates some really good stories. Oh, actually, yes, so definitely. Totally on board with you there, Chris. Um, and the last one was from Claudio. Is this a guy? This is the guy's name you've tried to pronounce. Yes. The Cal- Claudio, Claudio Cavalcanti. Something like that. I may yes. have messed that up. Sorry, Claudio. Um, yeah, he's from Brazil. And he says ah. he's been listening since the very beginning. It's his favorite 18xx podcast. And he's listened to many episodes more than once. Oh, wow. Sure. Thank you. We need to go twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he says, I do have a confession to make. At first, I didn't like the part about South Africa, but I realized how wrong I was. Episode after episode, I started to notice that the only difference between Brazil and South Africa is the language. Oh, no way. <laughs> so he said, a lot of the stuff you said is exactly the same as here. We also live in condos and houses with high walls and electric fences. When you park your car at the street, you have to pay a small amount to some kids and guys to protect it. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, actually, they blackmail us. If you don't pay, then there's a risk to come back to your car with an unfortunate surprise. Oh, wow. A scratch in the painting or a broken window. We haven't gotten there yet, luckily. No. Because I think the way our system works is you pay them when you leave, right? So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we don't pay up front. Yeah, exactly. That's the key. That's I've actually key. got a story about one time that I paid up front. Oh, really? Uh, I wanted to tell it when we spoke about it last time, but I forgot. So I went to this concert a long time ago. I think I was still at Varsity. And I was driving, had a car full of friends. We got there. It was dark. It was at night, you know, a nighttime concert at a, like a stadium kind of thing. And uh, there was this guy, you know, just a guy off the street, but saying he'll look after the car. We need to pay him, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, cool. We'll we'll pay you when we come back. He's like, no, no, you must pay now. I'm like, <laughs> how much? And he said, I can't remember what it was, like 20 Rand or whatever. Yeah, but back yeah. then it was more than it is now, right? Sure, sure. And I said, okay, I'll give you half now and half when we're back. And he's like, okay, fine. And then when we came back, this guy had taken all the money he'd gotten up front and had bought alcohol <laughs> he was so so drunk and he was like you guys need to pay me i'm like i'm not paying you you clearly weren't here looking out in my car um yeah he ended up chasing me around the car <laughs> until police arrived oh my word yeah. seriously it was quite the spectacle he yeah. was having a party for one. Oh yeah no he was enjoying himself <laughs> yeah clearly you weren't invited <laughs> Oh, man. So you said last year when you stop at traffic lights. I assume it means robots. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what a traffic light is. <laughs> I haven't heard this strange term. It is very common to see beggars, window washers, or street performers. Oh, wow. There you go. So we're very much alike, but thankfully we don't have a Vuvuzela. <laughs> <laughs> like that's all anyone remembers about South Africa. What have we done? <laughs> that World Cup ruined our global image. Yes. <laughs> Uh, he said, keep up with your amazing podcast and if possible, try bringing more content regarding the mainstream 18xx or discussions that apply to the genre in general. Those are my favorite episodes. Okay, great. Which is cool. I'm glad, you know, because I think that when we originally did those, I was almost nervous about them because, you know, when we moved away from like just talking about a different game every week because mm. it wasn't really sustainable. Yeah. Um, and I tried to bring in like the strategy stuff and mm. we tried to talk about that kind of stuff you know but we got good responses to that in general and i think those are the ones that claudia is referencing here as well yeah that's great yeah. which is cool yeah mm. and we definitely will do more of those in the future but not today today we're talking about an obscure marflow game 
Yeah, so we had another crack at 1847. Yep. And 1847 is very weird. So how do I describe 1847? So 1847 is like, it has this <laughs> a capitalization system like 1889, except with no free money. So like you have to buy five shares to float, but you will only get mm. those five shares worth of value. Yeah. The reason I say it's more like closer to an 89 than it is to like a 46, which is an incremental cap game, is that it doesn't float at 20%. Mm. And the price never moves. So your IPO value is still the money you get. Right. So let's say you're playing 89 and you float at 67, you will get 670 mm. when you float five shares. In this, you won't get 670, you'll get 335, but the most you will ever get is 670. Yes. If you buy all 10 shares, you'll eventually get 670. Yeah. So it's almost, it's like an incremental cap, but not in the sense that you can increase how much money you're putting in. Right. Yeah. It's just like a really brutal full cap in a way. Yeah. You yeah. just don't get any of the free money. Yeah. You have to buy all of it yourself. The, the company can't sell its own shares. No, you can't sell your own shares. So it so works a lot like a full cap game in that sense. The the shares sit in the IPO, shares in the bank pool will pay into your treasury, just mm. like a full cap game. The company doesn't own its own shares. So it's almost exactly like a full cap game, except without that free money aspect. You yeah. don't, the bank doesn't pay for the rest of the money. Mm. You have to buy all the shares in order to get all the money. Yes. You can do that, however, because you can buy all 10 shares yourself if you want to. Yes. There is no limit to how many shares of one company you can have. Yeah, you can own 100% in a company. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. the other cool thing it does is if you own 70%, you can force other people to sell their shares to you at 1.5, the current market value, uh, which is, I think, interesting. Yeah, nationalization they call it yes so once you own 70 percent, you can just say give me (laughs) give me the rest yeah so basically owning 70 percent is owning 100 percent. and um yeah so i mean on that so simon won that game and i think that is why he won that game Mm -hmm. he very very early on well he floated a company like we all did but he very early on got to 70 percent um bought the shares we had in his company from him from us and then he stayed 100% owned in that company until the end of the game. Yeah. And the nice thing about being the 100% shareholder in a company is you know your share price will never go down because someone sells your shares. So your share price is only going up. Um, and that's what his company did from very early on in the game. So I think in that game, you should, you should prevent people from owning 70%, especially early on in the game. Well, it's kind of interesting, right? So the interesting thing about it is that in like 46, for example, let's say 46 allowed you to buy all your shares. Mm. It would be bad to do so because you would be getting way less money into your treasury. Yes. The way you fund your treasury in 46 is by not buying too many of your shares early and buying them later. When the, you to put when the price is up. Yeah. When the price is up, which allows you to put more money in. Yeah. That doesn't happen No, yet. that's not the case in this one. So where I think we screwed up, where I think we let... Inverted commas led because Simon played well. I'm not saying he didn't, right? But I think where we screwed up in terms of Simon's strategy being dominant in this sense was that we moved too slowly. If we had pressured that company, Mm. he would have had to float other companies in order to try and buy trains for that company. Right. He ran those early trains for so long because we Mm. took so long to push it. And then by the time he was actually forced to buy a train, 
he'd put money into his company just by having like shares in the bank pool or paying from some of his own cash, mm. whatever. You know what I mean? Like he'd had so much time yeah. for so long that his stock price wasn't really that negatively affected. Yeah. Whereas we could have put a lot of pressure on him early on for staying with just that one company and just... Because I'm thinking in theory, if you float at, I don't know what the exact pars are, but let's say 67, right? Mm. You get 670. Trains in this game are expensive. Mm. They are super expensive. It's a very hard game to manage your treasury. Yeah. So if he just floated all of that and nationalized and spent all his cash on that, and then we said, cool, rest your two trains, you know, mm. he would have been in a lot of trouble right? a yeah. lot earlier, right? It would have been a lot more difficult. Mm. He also had privates that paid a lot of revenue, um, which benefit if the game goes slower as yes. well. Yeah. yeah, so I think we kind of screwed up and not pushing it fast enough i think that nationalizing early is great if the game goes slowly right i think it could put you in trouble though because you're not growing your treasury yes you've got a very limited amount of money and you need to fund it so if you just spend all your money buying up shares other people own by nationalizing that's not Mm. putting any more money into your treasury yes that's true and then you're in trouble right when your trains get rusted yeah but we have not yet figured out how to capitalize our companies effectively enough to push mm. those trains faster. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. So the same thing happened when I played. The last time we played, I won that game. And I had quite a long strat where the slower the game went, the better it was for me. And I just sat back and was like, cool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Simon did the exact same thing in this game. Mm. Yeah, so part of what made it slow was that you bought into my company instead of floating your own company, and that didn't push the trains faster because I didn't need to buy more trains. So I kind of sat with this treasury that like uh, was sort of like half used up already, but if you had bought your own, it would have put more money into the mm-hmm. whole cycle, right? Yeah. We would have put more track out there and we would have gotten yeah, more stuff. Yeah, an extra company to buy trains. And, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 So I, I tried something in this game. Um, I basically tried because it's so difficult to, to get money into the companies. What I thought I would try is to basically I floated a company, bought a train or as many trains as I could with the money and then got rid of the company and then did the same again. Uh, floated a second company bought as many trains as possible, got rid of the company, and then floated a third company. So my thinking there was I was just trying to kind of flush out the trains with the first two companies and then get a third company that basically started with as much money as all the other companies did because we were all parring fairly Mm. low. So it basically started with the same amount of money as all the other companies did, but its first train was a better train than all the other companies' first train. That ended up not working. I, I finished last in this game, but it was a, an interesting thing to try. <laughs> it's always fun to try stuff. It's just a, it's, it's weird because there's no free money, right? Mm. So let's say you float a company and you spend all of its money and you buy like, <laughs> I mean, you would have bought like one, maybe two trains with that, mm. right? Like yeah. that's all you can get because yeah. you're not getting that bonus money. So if you float a company that has 670 in potential capital you're only getting like 300 yes and the trains are expensive man the first trains are like 120 or something mm. instead of like 80 yeah <laughs> and then like the next one's like 300 like a three train is like 300 or something i can't remember the exact prices but they are expensive yeah so you could potentially like buy one train 
The weird thing about this game is because there's no free money, you cycling that company doesn't actually get you access to more capital. No, it doesn't. No. You'd be better off buying 10 shares in that company. Yeah. Because you weren't train limited either. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I see what you're trying to do. But then in practice, yeah. in a full cap game, it would have gotten you access to a lot of money. Yeah. In this game, it just it didn't. didn't. Yeah. And you yeah. just ended up cycling kind yeah. of thing. And then your, your stock prices were taking hits, your capital was taking hits, and you just mm. ended up... I remember in the mid-game looking at your sort of portfolio and you had way less shares. Yes, I did have far fewer shares than you guys did. Also, I effectively floated my company like three stock rounds after you guys floated your mm. companies. Although, even though my company did have a better train starting out than you guys did, it um, yeah, I think it was just too late. I had too few shares at that stage. Yeah, you just fell behind because you were losing a little bit on those transactions when you yes. were trying to kind of cycle through them. Yeah. yeah, I was basically breaking even on every one of them, but breaking even is not good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, because that's breaking even is losing money, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, man. So it's interesting. Like, I felt like our second half, we played much better than our first half. Mm. So I remember thinking, like, when we were halfway through the game, like, we're never going to get to the end trains. Like, what are we doing? We're moving so slowly. And then we seem to manage, like, that sort of capitalization game mm. a lot better. And then we busted through the trains quite quickly. Yes. And that actually put a lot of pressure on Simon and me. Yeah. Um, yeah, Simon ended up having to do an emergency buy for like a huge amount of money. Yeah. Um, but his stock price was so high that he still managed yeah. to win the game because he had 10 shares of this enormous stock price. Yes. And it's one of these games where the stock jumps yeah. later in the thing. They go from like 10, you know, ours are jumping 10 or 15, his are jumping like 30. Yeah. And so that creates mm. a massive discrepancy. Yes, yeah. yeah. So for him, it's 300. It was too late. The mm. pressure was too late. We needed to put the pressure on much earlier. Yes, yeah. Yeah. oh it's such an interesting game man it's so interesting like the timing is so hard to figure out yeah. and how to like effectively capitalize those companies so our theory that we have for a way that might kind of work is basically capitalize a company sell down to the presidency and then you can kind of force an emergency buy mm. in a way so that may be one way of doing it Another thing you could do is, so yeah, let me explain that better. So let's say I buy five shares in a company and I get 300 for that. I'm just going to use arbitrary numbers here. I get 300. I sell down those, I sell three of those shares for 180. So now I have 300 in the treasury and 180. Mm. And then I push those trains to another company and actually voluntarily do an emergency buy. Yeah. And that sort of lets me double dip. My yes. treasury, because I get the money that I put into the treasury, and then I get to spend like my own money from selling those shares as well. Yeah. So it gets you access to more capital for buying trains, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Another way to think about it is, let's say whatever the share, let's say the share price is a hundred. If you buy one share at a hundred, that hundred goes into the company's treasury. If you then sell that share again, you get that your hundred back from the bank. So you you've like spent nothing. But put a hundred hundred into the the company treasury, right? So yeah. so I think especially because you can own a hundred percent of the shares, like you could theoretically buy all ten shares and sell five of them, be guaranteed to hold on to the company, but then you full capped that company, yeah, because you've only spent the money for five shares because you got the other five shares money back. 
Yeah, exactly. And that doesn't hurt you as much because selling shares, no matter how many you sell, it only drops your stock price by one. Yes. And so you don't necessarily damage your stock price that much. So there's ways of sort of accessing more capital in that way. Mm. Yeah, it's tricky. But And then also, the shares in the bank pool will pay to the treasury. So that's another way to get a little bit of money into the company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely the way to do it. I, it's something I want to play with more is buying shares, selling them very quickly to get that money back into my own personal supply, but then also having those shares pay dividends into the company. So I posted on Twitter. I said, please... Please help me. <laughs> so I need to beat Fred. Yeah. <laughs> Someone teach me how to play this damn game. Because it's such a it's such a puzzle, this game. Because yeah. you play it and you just like everything you think you know about 18xx just is not applying, right? Because you're not getting that free money. You can't like sell the shares. And you're just like, how do I capitalize this damn company? Mm. Like, how do I get money in here? Mm. Yeah. So I said, <laughs> I, I've wrote an impassioned thing saying. So. Please help me. Um, and JC actually replied to me. Uh, he first replied to me with some of his excellent 18xx poetry, as I called. And I said, JC, you're not helping me. I need a step-by-step guide. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> tell me tell me how to win. <laughs> right? um, so he said that it's a timing and incentive management game with exquisitely tight margins where the right time for action is typically before you really can and after when you should have with no opportunity to act in between. And I said, well, that's beautiful. It's not helping me. I'm dumb and I need a step-by-step guide to getting money into this damn treasury. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it was, he did, he did then provide a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit more helpful stuff after that. So he says, it's a notably difficult game to play well, a step up from what you've been playing to date which have blunt and more obvious levers. So I thought that was interesting, mm. that it actually is a pretty tough puzzle to figure out. Right, yeah. Yeah. So he said, not to say this is the answer, because it isn't, but it's also a game in which never withholding is often not the right answer. So I think he highlights that because never withhold is something that you'll hear a lot. Mm. It's something we'd say about 1830 or 1889, that in general, you just literally want to never withhold Mm. i'd say the only exception is if the moment you withhold allows you to buy a permanent train that can potentially be worth it sometimes yeah but other than that probably not probably never you will actually want to withhold um so he says in this line 47 is very much a game about dynamically passing the game state and in particular the approaching but currently unrealized opportunities it isn't much a game of dumps or clubs or big swinging margins but of edges and shoves and bleed out deaths of a thousand cuts. Thanks, JC. How am I supposed to understand this? I told you I'm a moron. <laughs> but yeah, I think what he's basically saying is that there's a lot to sort of figure out, especially in terms of where you time things. And I think mm. that's where it gets very difficult. Yeah. Do you want to be forcing the game forward? Do you want it to be moving slowly is it the right time to float this company or are you going to get yourself in a very difficult situation it's very easy to get in a really rough situation this game capital wise Mm. yeah i think that's an interesting point so if you if you combine that with what i was just thinking out loud about where you buy 10 shares you sell five of them so part of your money then is coming from dividends paying into your company other people can prevent that by buying up those shares from the bank pool at the now reduced price, right? So now I've got five shares and the other five shares are spread between the other players. Now I can withhold. So 
now by withholding those shares everyone else bought devalue same as mine but i gain control of 100 percent of the money whereas i would have only had 50 percent right. of the money in my private treasury yeah so it's just it's not it's i think the big puzzle is managing that mm. right yeah managing that timing and managing those treasuries yeah yeah but but so but what i mean is like that there's this threat of if you guys buy my shares that i've sold into the bank pool yeah. i can just withhold yeah. So maybe then people won't buy the shares and you will get to pay those dividends into your company. Yeah, because if they're in the bank pool, like you said, that's great, right? They're yeah. going to pay into your company. So yeah. you can even set up a metagame threat of if you buy them, I'm just going to withhold. I need yeah. money in this company. Exactly. So either you let me have it through the bank pool. Yeah. But I don't think it's really a metagame threat. I think it's an actual threat. Sure. Yeah. 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 But I think if you're the guy who consistently does that, people are mm. going to be more hesitant to buy yeah. your shares as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, I said, I also tweeted something like, is I'm about to emergency buy a train. That's a legit strat right? or something like that. Um, and JC was like, if it's a non-permanent one, then sure. And I was like, crap. <laughs> That's a permanent train. It costs a fortune. I've screwed this up. But I thought that was interesting because generally, I think in something like 1830, emergency buying a permanent train is mm. probably something that's more common. Right. And more acceptable, like planning mm. around that. Whereas in this game, he's talking about emergency buying a non-permanent train yeah which is kind of makes sense because they're cheaper so you're spending less money from your personal and i can see it being worth it. these trains in our games anyway and i don't know what it would be like for other people in our games they rust slowly mm. and they rusted late so it's hard to break into the trains that like rust the threes for example right there are more steps in between absolutely yeah. and definitely your two trains i think are going to last a lot longer than they would in an 89 or a 30 mm. where sometimes they might not even run at all in this absolutely i think you'll be able to get some value out of them most of the time yeah. just because these trains are expensive and they're hard to get through because you don't have that free money where you just burn through the trains yes so i can definitely see doing an emergency bound non-permanent train like we were talking about that example of sort of trying to double dip your investment yes yeah we use your personal cash and your treasury to sort of it's not free money but yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like a bit of extra money right, right. yeah yeah yeah, and I think 18xx is often about trying to find the the so-called free money, mm. where to exploit that. Yeah, it's basically trying to get money from the bank into your pockets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's it's very different. It's very, mm. very different. Quite cool, actually. Um, if anyone's interested in buying it, so Marflow Games sells, sells it. That's Wolfram Janich's publishing house. Mm. Um, ships them from Germany, and he makes them himself. Um, it's pretty cheap as far as 18xx's go. Okay. It's one of his less expensive ones. I think I want to say like 65 euros, something like that. Um, what's pretty cool about it is that you kind of get three games in the box. So the sort of standard game is the 1847 anniversary edition, which was sort of like a revised one where they changed some stuff and added some privates. You also get 1847 original which is sort of the original game, which changes some stuff up. And then there's the 1847. Oh, it's got like, it's like the RRR and NE or something. It's okay. it's not that, but it's something like that, which is a group of players in Germany, like hardcore 18xx enthusiasts that develop their own like variant or whatever. Right. What's pretty cool about this is that all three games have a different map. 
gotcha. actually get three different maps, which is pretty significant. It's mm. pretty they're pretty significant changes. It's not just like oh yeah, add in profit number three. Right, it's yeah. a new game. You yeah. know, it's different maps and so three different maps and yeah, you change some stuff around. So it's pretty cool. Mm. There's a lot to explore in that. Yes, I yeah. mean I'm not even remotely ready for the variants yet because no. <laughs> I need to figure out how the hell to make this thing work. But yeah. most importantly, did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. Yes, I did enjoy it, but I. Yeah, I have to play it more though to yeah. to really, I think, understand it. <laughs> I must say, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more the second time, and I think it was that second half where things started to click into place. Yes, yo, uh, it it went up hugely in my estimations. Mm. I think. Okay. It was. I was sort of trying to wrestle with myself if it had shot into the position of my favorite Marflow. Okay. Of the Marflow games, right? Which controversially would include Cologne. Ooh. Oh, podcast favorite Cologne. Yeah. Losing its luster. There's always a new hotness coming along. <laughs> I feel like that, you know that meme with that guy and that girl and he looks back at the other girl? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm holding Cologne's <laughs> hand and I'm, I'm looking at it 47 like, oof. Ooh, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I need to consult. I need to consult the five here. Where is my top five? Yeah, while you look for yours, I don't think it's changing mine. So I haven't actually mentioned my full five in a while. So let me mention that. So at number one for me is Cologne still. Really, hey? Okay, that's consistent. 89 is second, Rhineland third, 46 fourth, and 35th. So I've been playing a lot of 30 online. Mm. And um, I don't know, 30 might move up, might move up above 46. But 49 and 47 are like 6 and 7, so I don't know. I really need a better app to do this in. I'm doing it in my like little word pad thing on my phone and it's terrible oh yeah <laughs> i have to like change all the numbers every time this is a disaster so you are you changing numbers <laughs> oh yeah actually oh this is a bit of controversy on the cards yeah i must tell you things are gonna get gonna get angry emails i'm really overinflating how much people care about this list <laughs> okay 47 has shot up from number six number three wow yeah i liked it that much sure it's a dynamic list so what was the old three four and five so i've also i've also made another little change here i've okay. put 1830 above cologne okay well well just read your list then the top five so the top five one is 89 two is 49 three is 47 four is 30 and five is cologne yeah, wow. man. Cologne was two once upon a time. Well, I think we need to play it again so that you remember how good it is. <laughs> well, you'll have to wait till Simon's not there. <laughs> no, I still like it. I, I like Cologne for a lot of reasons, actually. I think I still think Cologne is a really cool, like fast playing, good with low player count. Still a really good two player game. I think it squeezes a lot of cool stuff into a pretty small package. Mm. Yeah, I like it. It's yeah. fun. I do like Cologne. It's it's not as like epic as some of the other ones, but okay. And it's not as brutal. Mm. It's kind of like a comfortable game. Yeah. It's nice though. I like <laughs> it. It does some cool stuff. Yeah. It has a lot of interesting things going on in a little in a little package. Okay. But I feel happy about this list. I think I need to put 30 above Cologne so that JC can talk to me again. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I think I think 30 deserves a, a little bit of a higher spot. It's good, man. I just really suck at it. It's a good game, yeah. It's so good, but I'm so bad. I want to play it live again. 
Yeah, it'll be fun to play a live one, yeah. especially with us noobs, so we don't get crushed by all these online pros. Yes. <laughs> uh, 89 is still is still my number one. Yeah. Um, I just love it. It's, it. It gives me that like 30-like experience, but it just feels a little bit more comfortable and just mm. fast playing, and I, I just really like it. Yeah. I really, yeah, really like it. Good, yeah. It's just like... It's like your favorite beer, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not fancy champagne or something, but it's just like... Oh, right, yeah. It's great. 49, I still really enjoy. 47, yeah, is the one that shot up because I think it's really good. Mm. 30, I like, and then Cologne. And then Rhineland's down to number six, eh? Yeah. Sorry, Rhineland. I like Rhineland. It's just very operational and very taxing on my brain, yeah. which I would normally not say is a bad thing, but yeah. Okay, cool. So... Anything else you want to say about 47? No, I don't think so. No, I think I, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, it's a good game. The Mafia games are pretty accessible, hey? Mm. I think people should look into them more. Mm. I think, yeah, a lot of 18xx is not as accessible these days. You have all these great Kickstarters and stuff coming out, which is pretty awesome. Everyone's jumping on those. But in terms of games that you can buy like right now that will be shipped, <laughs> you know, within a week or whatever, yes. there's not a lot of options. But Mafia has got some cool stuff. Yeah. I think more people should look into it. There's some really cool stuff there. Yeah. All frames doing good work. Mm. Sweet, guys. Okay. South African. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you have anything you want to talk about. I think our big <laughs> our big current affairs at the moment is our freaking load shedding. Oh, wow, yeah. We oh, completely unexpectedly got rain, so now the cold is wet. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst. Who so, could see that coming? Not ESCOM. <laughs> so ESCOM is our electric provider, and they have been struggling for years now. Um, and yeah, so we have this thing called load shedding, which is basically like rolling blackouts according to like a schedule. Mm. So you'll look up your area, and it'll say there's like stages. So stage one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So do you it, know what the stages mean actually? Yeah, how many megawatts yeah. they are. So it's a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, yeah. etc. So if, if we're in stage two load shedding, it means there's a, a two megawatt shortage of electricity. Two thousand megawatts. Sorry, two thousand megawatts yeah. that they need to shed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, from the grid. Yeah, yeah. So you can check, and it'll say like in your area from four o'clock to eight o'clock, your power will go out if we hit stage four. Yes. Or, It'll be this time for stage one or whatever. So there's always like a threshold in these time slots. They're usually four hours long or whatever. So load shedding is this weird thing. We won't think about it for months, right? We'll kind of forget it exists. Mm. And then like out of nowhere, they'll be like, we're in stage four load shedding today. Yes. I was like, what? Yeah. What? Oh, crap. And then everyone like starts installing the apps, yeah. <laughs> the load shedding apps and stuff. Like, wait, what, what the hell is my schedule? What's happening? Yeah. It's been really bad lately, though. It kind of came out of nowhere again. And then yeah. everyone really freaked out because it jumped to stage six. Was it on Tuesday? Yes. And we haven't had stage six ever. Mm, no, I don't think we've ever had that. The why. most we've ever had is stage four. Yeah. So when we saw stage six, everyone was like, whoa, are we screwed? Like, mm. it just looks really, really bad. So yeah. all the politicians were jumping on it and like, the president <laughs> must cancel his trip to Egypt. He needs to address this. This has to be dealt with, but all the memes were coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see all those memes? I saw on, like, yeah, a couple of good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you go to stage nine, ESCOM comes to your house and blows out your candles. <laughs> I saw some video. I saw a video of someone doing that. There was like a guy knocking at the door. He's like, hello, I'm here from ESCOM. Oh, I'm really? here to enforce stage nine. And the guy was holding a candle. He's like, what's stage nine? The guy just goes, <laughs> just blows it out. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't see that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I think South Africa is very much you either have to laugh or cry. So we tend to just kind of laugh about a lot of mm, this stuff. Yeah. No, oh, what else can you do? <laughs> no, that's the thing. You're so kind of powerless. You just hope that stuff kind of gets powerless sorted. Powerless to see what you did. Hey. There, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, we'll see what happens with that. It's been a pain though, man. It it's has been a real yeah. pain because it's been bad for like a few days, and then like the cell phone towers can't recharge their batteries or whatever. Yeah. So then you start like losing signal whenever there's load shedding. And that's just so irritating. You're sitting in your like house. You have no power. You can't use the internet on your phone. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. So irritating. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our big, our big story at the moment. And it's a flipping disaster. Yeah. So the thing that came out, they always have the worst excuses for like why. (laughs) (laughs) why things and it always just sounds so like incompetent so the latest one was that the coal got wet from all the rain yeah (laughs) just like what (laughs) what do you mean the coal got wet don't you burn it in like an enormous furnace like isn't it i don't know just undercover yeah it should be your butt man well someone was posted like can't they just build a ducky over it Yeah, or just like a Afrikaans for like a little roof, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was so funny, man. It's just a disaster. <laughs> just like gross, like incompetence, mismanagement, corruption, all the, the greatest hits. But Yeah. Yeah, so sad. we're actually recording this podcast a little bit later than usual because of load shedding. Yeah, we normally record on a Monday and mm. then we upload it on a Thursday. And on Monday, we had load shedding from like eight o'clock until midnight or whatever yeah and we normally record around seven whatever so we had to be like okay well yeah let's hope for the best Mm. yeah it's very interesting very interesting and very irritating yeah it is yeah yeah but hopefully they'll sort it out soon enough but i saw that something like 15 they had 15 percent of their generating capacity out due to unplanned outages that is an enormous amount hey 15 percent wow 15 percent of their generating capacity gone just for like unplanned Mm. oh this thing broke down my worst is when the conveyor belt breaks down that's like the excuse all the time the conveyor belt that like carries the coal into the power station Mm. breaks down no man and and i'm sure it's like an enormous conveyor belt. it's not like an airport thing right but like still it's just like guys come on like that's that's pretty weak man (laughs) that's in line with wet coal yeah yeah anyway we will persevere (laughs) through uh, through power no power derailed will go on (laughs) we will carry on we will survive i remember (laughs) just reminds me this is a bit off topic i guess but we had an earthquake once um (laughs) there was an earthquake in santon do you remember Mm -hmm. so santon is like our main like business district in joburg like sort of the rich area um and there was an earthquake we don't get earthquakes it was like really mild but everyone was like was that an earthquake? Like, do yeah. we get those? Like, super, super, like, just like a really mild tremor. <laughs> and I remember seeing this photo of, like, um, you know, those cheap, like, plastic patio table and chairs? Oh, yes, yeah. There was, like, four of those, and one was fallen over. It was like, we will rebuild <laughs> <laughs> after the earthquake. <laughs> yeah. We will recover from this uh, yeah. load shedding as well, <laughs> from the wet coal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll carry on. Oh man, yeah, yeah. So I'm Fun sure stuff. But I've learned that Brazil probably has some some load shedding as well. So. <laughs> probably. Good luck there, guys. <laughs> maybe they don't. Maybe he's going to email like, oh, yeah. Yes, maybe now so. we've set Listen, ourselves apart. We've yeah. got problems, but yeah, we don't have <laughs> we don't we have, have rolling blackouts. 
But yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. Mm. And um, yeah, we're going to try record. We're going to try and like have episodes up during the sort of holidays. I'm going to see how we go with that. I think we yes. said we might try record a couple at once or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we might do two or so back to back so so we can release one yeah so we won't have much email and things in between those but you know, right of course yeah. yeah but we'll try and release regularly if we can we might miss a week or so during december january we'll see yeah yeah but for mm. the most part we'll try and keep it consistent yeah cool sweet guys yeah. thanks cool. thanks very much cheers bye if you would like to get in touch with us we are at derailed 18xx on instagram and twitter you can email us derailed 18xx at gmail.com And we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash derailed18xx. Thanks for listening.